2: Test your luck in
0: the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday,
1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome. Um, This episode, before we get started, I do want to say we'll be triggering to some of you, um, whether anything has happened to you or someone you know, we will be discussing things relating to sexual abuse, physical abuse, and kind of just accountability as we see it today. As you guys know, we just witnessed um, Surviving R. Kelly, which was a docuseries, a six-part on Lifetime, where we kind of got to view the life of a predator, um, and we listen to victim stories we listen to people who were there i do want to preface by also saying that this episode will not be an entire recount of that docuseries surviving r kelly but i want to say that this is going to be more so surviving society um there was a lot of larger picture items that were brought to us In that documentary and whether you were on instagram social media group chats with your friends phone calls about this after the fact you know that all of the things that got brought to light were things that we deal with in our families with our friends at school at work um, and definitely things that we all have to come to face as a generation, as a society, as a community, as a family, as a village, and it's going to be up to us to not only start the conversation, but also to go ahead and see where we can make change. So I am sitting in this beautiful studio with some wonderful black strong women um, who have not only gone through some of the things that were mentioned in the documentary, but Also with women who are trying to make change and trying to shift the narrative and what we have been faced with um, over centuries at this point. So I guess at this point, let's go ahead and introduce who is sharing the mics with myself. And let's start off to the right. Who do I have?
3: I am Jade. uh, Jade of all Jays online. Uh, I am host of half host of Getting Grown, half host of Jade and XD. Yes. Um, Mommy to Noah, wife to Tristan. A real nigga.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And
0: across from me, we have... Hi. Um, so uh, you're listening to your most unapologetic sexologist. I like to really get that out there because I don't believe I need to apologize for what is right. Um, Michelle Hope. So I'm in the house. I'm going to give you some insight on education as I've been in education for over 20 years. Um, been speaking on sex and sexuality for the past 10 years and I'm really really passionate about reproductive justice. I think sometimes when people hear, "Oh, you're a sex expert." They think dick and pussy, which I can do. <laughs> I can pop it, I can drop it. But what my passion really is is creating equity for women and girls of color, but in addition to that, really looking at sexuality from a holistic perspective and understanding that as much as we need to teach our women and grow our women, we must do the same for our young men. And we have to really be looking out for everybody and really, it's going to be some tough conversations happening today, I feel like.
2: No, absolutely. Challenging the norms. Absolutely. We'll be joined um, a little later on with Jamila Lemieux, um, and I want her to introduce herself um, as she sees fit. As you guys know, this is your girl, Mandy. I am one half co-host of the Horrible Decisions podcast. Um, and so we focus on sexual liberation, as you guys know, but also just bringing forth these conversations that are needed in a healthy sexual environment. Um, and so I wanted, I guess, to start off, we can kind of say um, we did all watch the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys want to let's let's do a broad um, <laughs> review of what we thought of the documentary before we touch into the specific topics that stemmed from from surviving R. Kelly. So, what was your immediate interaction? You did see mm-hmm. a, a good amount of the six parts. So, what was your what was your immediate reaction to that?
3: The ghetto. <laughs> the ghetto was like not to make light of the documentary, but I I mean, nigga, like we. <laughs> You know, this is a this is this has been a long time this has been a long time coming. Yeah. Um I remember when the when the tape dropped, I remember when it circulated, I remember when coworkers were passing it around, mm-hmm. I remember when high school students were passing it around. So like I remember when the Aaliyah shit happened, I remember being a young girl talking to my mom, like, yo, Ma, like this is not This is not right. You knew it wasn't right. Oh, hell yeah. 15 and a grown man. I was like, married, Ma? That don't sound right. Like, that's not right. So I remember all of that. But watching it in detail was the ghetto. And
2: so I'm so glad that we, we do, we will have kind of a wide range of even ages between all of us. Because I was watching this and when I'm seeing that these accounts were happening in 98, 99, 2000. I'm a millennial, so I was 10, 11, 12, maybe 14 when the trial happened. Mm-hmm. Or So, like, Watching this, I didn't have those emotional connections um, to seeing what was going on. I just knew I was stepping in the name of love in middle school at the dances, Uh, remix to Ignition, all of that. I was I was here for R. Kelly, although we knew I knew of the Aaliyah thing. Aaliyah died. I was in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So those connections and knowing what was really going on in the media didn't affect me as a fan of his growing up, nor did nor did I really have, I guess, the. Mental capacity to know what the fuck was going on, um, and how about you? What, what were Listen, your thoughts? Because you you knew. Uh, I grew up you in grew Indiana, up hearing about it. Though, like about
0: it. I was, he was on the radio all the time. It was like the, everything, but I can't honestly say when AJ, nothing but a number, came out. I was in middle school, right? I'm dating myself, My shit, but right. I was like. Now, I know what that song is about, and that is not right. That's not right. I knew. I mean, I I come from maybe a different background. My mom was really open Mm -hmm. um, and taught me about sexuality. I learned about sexuality from a very, very young age. Mm -hmm. Um, I experienced uh, molestation um, at a young age. Um, And to be quite frank with you, like, I knew at 14— that what that song meant, going down. I knew what going down ain't nothing but a thing meant. This love that I have for you, it will never change. Like I knew that was already predatorial. But here's the thing. It didn't really phase me.
3: No, nope, I was a bop.
0: <laughs> Like if I you mean, was, yeah. you know, just be hit right, from the back. pulled around. I knew all that was creepy and predatorial then, but I didn't know the gravity of what was happening behind closed doors. I think we all thought. He's just a freaking nasty, freaking we freak. We thought he was a
3: freak, girl. I was, I remember because I was big into English and like all of that, and I was like, "You remind me." He Over is here. speaking about women like nouns.
0: Exactly. <laughs> like, I mm. just taught that on wow. Friday. I didn't like, just that. That, that. Like objects, yeah. you remind me of my jeep. I want to mm. wax it. Something like my sound, an object, an inanimate object at that. Yes. Mm. He was telling yep. us, "Listen, I don't see nothing wrong." With my mind's thing. telling me no, my body's telling me what yes. What is that? Yeah. What is that? And then, and then was the inanimate object sound? Then was Aaliyah, AJ, nothing but a number. Like so, seeing so seeing the
2: documentary, us. it was just telling. I was like, all we stuff. knew this.
3: I was really frustrated. You know why I was frustrated? Because you touched on it beforehand when we were talking before we started. I was frustrated with myself, and I had to sit wow. there and say, "Yo." Why? When did I stop listening to R. Kelly after I already knew his history? I'll sit yeah, like, here. I'll, I, didn't I had here to, to admit, think about it.
2: I really loved the song with him and Sparkle and it played, I can't remember where, and I downloaded it to my iTunes. This had to have been maybe Listen. six months ago. And so to know that I too was still also supporting this man after knowing the things he did. No. And I'm an adult now. I'm, I'm approaching 30. But to know that I could, we had all the insight of the world of what has been happening 2017 no. the cult situation which was episode five and six we all just revisited
3: this in 2017 and to know he's still out here touring he's still out here having shows which i think is filthy but i i i remember going to work i remember when trapped in the closet dropped i remember when ignition dropped i remember mm-hmm. when ignition remix dropped i remember 12 play i didn't have no business listening to it but i did But I remember going to work, and on the morning show, every morning, trapped in the closet, would drop a new a new, uh, a new episode or whatever. Yeah, chapter. <laughs> yeah. And I would sit in my car and be like, I'm not the fuck getting out until I hear this ridiculous ass shit. It was so entertaining. It was. And then I know there was a shift somewhere there where I was like, I can't listen to this nigga's music anymore. Yeah. But I don't know where it was.
0: I can tell you exactly where mine was. Okay. When, when it um, so 2012, Trapped in the Closet had come out. It was uh, the independent film channel mm-hmm. here in New York uh, did all 33 of them in one sitting. Mm-hmm. He's It was beautiful art and I know some people personally this is right. who um, were a part of that proje- project and were very integral parts of that project and they uh, fell in love and they have a beautiful family and we've been friends and I've known them for quite some time mm-hmm. and so they said hey come check this out Um, They were not a part of R. Kelly's camp. They were just a part of that production. Mm -hmm. I want to make that very clear. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went and then there was after party afterwards. Now, me being the uh, sexual researcher that I am, I'm enthralled. I'm like this man for years. We've heard these rumors that he's into young women. He's, um, you know, this, that and the other. And I was there. I was looking good. I was at the after party and one of his handlers came over to me and said, Mr. Kelly would like to talk to you.
2: How old were you then?
0: 29. Okay. And now I have lived a lot of life. I mentioned (laughs) that to you. I mentioned that to you. So I'm 29 years old. I've already started studying psychology. i would already started studying sex research. Um, I had already done my fair share of participatory research. And I felt like this was a great opportunity just to talk to this man. And why would he want to talk to me? I'm a 29-year-old woman. And this, I think, is interesting because it it points out how anybody can be a victim.
3: Yes. Not Mm -hmm. just
0: about young women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And we chatted for a moment. He gave me his number. And then he started texting me. You know, I'm not thinking nothing about it. This is not the first celebrity. It's hopefully not going to be the last. (laughs) And um, and then I got a text from him that said, call me daddy. I said, bloop, 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 delete, bloop, 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 block. And I was like, oh, Wow. And that was the I did have not listened to R. Kelly music since. Well,
2: so scary. him because it was just literally
0: was I had enough. seen all these things mm-hmm. happen throughout history, and then when it is the devil is staring you in your face, and you think it's not going to happen to me, and as soon as I saw a text Yo. message that said "Call me Daddy," I was done. He was about to start grooming Yo, you. But I see I'm I, I, literally I have like I get goose pimples thinking about that
3: All Star Chicago. There was a All Star weekend in Chicago. My little sister went out there, and I think she was 16. And she called me and my mom, and she was like, "I'm standing next to R. Kelly." My mother said, "Move now! Exactly. Move immediately. Walk away." And I was like, "This ain't no game." Now he didn't try to talk to her. It's nothing that personal. But it's interesting. I had an experience. It wasn't no call me daddy, and it wasn't definite. It wasn't that nigga. But I ha- I met a- I got backstage at a Kanye West concert mm-hmm. when I was 18. Got myself backstage. Ironically enough, at the door, they checked everybody's IDs and said verbatim, we don't want no R. Kelly stuff. But I'm 18. Right. So that's where this fine line, we can have that conversation Right, later. right.
2: And it's crazy because I have a friend now who is currently dealing with R. Kelly. And so I text her in our group chat. And um, I was like, what are your thoughts about this? Um, Because we actually had a group chat conversation when all the culty stuff came out. And it it really, it really, 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 really hurts my soul. Her response was blaming the parents and blaming the other girls knowing what they were doing. So this is a conversation that we're now having because she, too is sticking up for him. Just posted that he is the king of R&B on her Instagram. And so, and I don't view her as a weak woman. Doesn't matter. I know, I know. And so, to know that I do have a friend and she is a very close friend of mine who she goes. She flies out to Chicago. She's been going to Chicago. She goes Come to his on, shows. Um, she is grown. She is over 30. Um, but when we tried to have this conversation with her about what's going on, she definitely pointed the fingers um, around him and not at him and so seeing where her response was i did go ahead and just kind of shy away from the conversation i'm gonna let it you know fall down a little she hasn't seen all of the documentary yet but she did say that she does want to talk about it um and so i will say knowing that you have an experience with him someone close has been around him although this is a celebrity and we're looking at him as this god or or why he can't be touched or you would be surprised how accessible This man has been over these generations. As we saw in the documentary, he met a woman outside of his trial. Hello. Yo, but, like, yo. <laughs> but
0: I think that that I think that right there is a great segue to get us off R Kelly and yes. recognize yes. that there is an R Kelly in every, every yep. fucking that's neighborhood what, yes, across the saying. nation in, in and every all household. up and through the industry and a lot of times
2: in every household yeah. Yeah. so oh. I want to start off as you guys know they started off the documentary um, with discussing his um childhood the fact that he was abused and so I do want to start off with more so the adolescence and teenage phases, um, where we stand at that time, how we're viewed at that time. But I want to get into something that I think is very important in in saying that a lot of men, unfortunately, um, do not know that they have been abused or do not come forward when they have been abused. Mm -hmm. I will say if I have 10 men in my phone, at least eight of them have opened up about being sexually abused Mm -hmm. as children. Um, And this has come in the form of either being touched by other men, but more so the babysitter, the mom's friend, the older woman in the family, they all lost their virginity to older women. And because of how we view sexuality when it comes to men, they didn't look at it as they were being molested or raped or abused. They looked at it like, I'm the man. I lost my manhood by an older woman. And I don't think that that's a narrative that should continue. Um, I guess, do you want to go into some of... What you have experienced being 10 years in in abuse and working with children, Mm -hmm. what you see is coming about from why men respond this way? Well, I
0: think that in my uh, professional experience, what I have seen is... Gender when we think about sexuality we think about gender and gender is a construct gender uh, we have associated it with biologically assigned sex but gender is a construct and the longer that we continue to separate genders and and really establish rigid um, ideals around what makes a man Mm -hmm. and what makes a woman instead of looking at us as humans. Mm. right? Humans have needs. They need to be loved. They need to feel like they are appreciated. They are cared for. They need shelter. They need food. They need water. This is a human thing. But oftentimes we use gender to oppress. The the social construct of gender is really rooted in oppression. Mm. So if a man can say he's over a woman, Mm -hmm. he then can oppress her and reign power over her. So we men don't want to have their manhood removed Mm. because then that makes them feel as though they have lost some type of social power. Um, When it comes Mm. to communities of color, uh, men of color are already on a lower ring. We think about the matrix of oppression, right? Mm -hmm. Who is at the top? White men. So when we think of men of color, they're Down a peg. So for them, and they're often trying to prove their manhood. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. In an oppressive environment, in an environment that just oppresses them for being who they are Mm -hmm. as men um, and does not allow them for fear of being taken advantage of to show weakness. Mm. So by admitting you've been sexually assaulted, admits that you have had someone take away power from from you mm -hmm. in the most rawest part of humanity sex, the part of humanity that connects all of us sex yeah Mm -hmm. so if a man has something from his sexual prowess or sexual power taken from him society will really shame him Mm -hmm. so instead of allowing a man to process pain to have a safe space to say this happened to me we say you better buck up because that's not what a man does Mm -hmm. and then we start that programming you know we talk about how the police oftentimes age up our men Mm -hmm. we did that before they did
3: we we do it all the time Mm. Stop, Stop crying. Stop crying.
0: Mm. Man up. Mm. That is setting the basis off. for toxic masculinity.
2: Mm.
3: Okay.
0: A healthy man can cry because a healthy human has feelings. We have to separate. If a woman didn't cry, we'd be like, she's fucked up, an right. ice princess. Right, yeah. But if men don't cry, we say, oh, he's manly. That is a sick idea of human connection mm-hmm. because we cannot truly have empathy if right. we cannot feel. Right. If you cannot feel pain, you cannot understand the pain you are putting on someone else. Right. If you tell an 11-year-old boy, you weren't raped, you became a man, how then do you expect him to understand at 21 when he raped another woman? Right. Because no, he, no, no, because girl, you no, girl, you didn't get raped. Yeah. You got lucky because I'm the shit. I'm that man. And we have to get away from these ideals
2: um, because it just further divides us. I agree. And it's crazy because if you sit here and think of what you were just saying, the man up, toughen up, don't cry, you know, at these young ages from five to 10, you're sitting here grooming a little boy to be a man. Mm -hmm. And so imagine if they're being taught those things, they're not going to come forward about their power because now they're trying to prove to their parents. They're trying to prove to their uncles, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. Which is why even with the Terry Crews situation, him coming out, seeing the response from other men
0: And
3: women.
2: And women. Oh, yes. And women. No, it is. It is. And and I don't want to make this episode even. Um, I know we do have a lot of men that listen. I don't want this or for you guys to think that we are man bashing, there is accountability that also needs to be taken with this women. This Women's about oh, no, a no, mentality. No. I'm not a man no, bashing. Okay. No, no. Yes. I just want to be sure. Already I already know. But it, it could come off that way when, when we start to talk about rape and abuse. And we mm-hmm. don't want it to to. No, no, no. As, as women, I do want to say that there is a shared part that we have to do as parents, teaching the young girls the same way we do our boys. Well, I think it's teaching our boys
0: the same way we do our girls. our girls. I
2: think it's language
0: is really important in it this is. conversation. So Mm -hmm. if you catch me at some point backing up because I misspoke, I want to be very, very, very careful with language. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, I think, because I want to later on when Jamila gets here, I want to talk about the word uh, pedophile, Mm. because Mm. that is not exactly what we're seeing with R. Kelly. And I want to. Give you guys the definition.
2: Well, we're, we're discussing children right now, and I guess if we're going to. Pedophile discuss, is under 12. So let's discuss the terms. I, I okay. would like to do that now since what we're going to be doing um, for the next like 15 or 20 minutes or so is definitely digging into the psychology of children, how we view children, our expectations of children. Yeah. And so, what if a pedophile is a. a Prepubescent. Someone who is attracted or deals with someone under the age of 12. Yes. What would be considered someone who deals with? Individuals older than the edgy. Folks. Okay,
0: so there's three kind of phases, right? Mm-hmm. So there's pedophile, hep, oh, this is i am I'm just, I'm gonna struggle with this, so you might have to retake this. Mm-hmm. herbophile. Herbophile, okay. Yes. Which is H E B P H I A L L
2: A. One L. Yes. I
0: think one think you And then there is an A, there is an e philophyte An e. philophyte. We're gonna retake that. But okay, gotcha. um, so the the ages are a prepubescent is a pedophile. Um, then the second one is uh, b- reaching into adolescence. So you're just kind of approaching. So, so you're like eleven to fourteen. Oh, 11 okay. to fourteen. Then okay. the last one is like fifteen to nineteen, mm-hmm. and that is is a e-philophyte.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna. <laughs> but the reason I want to pay attention to that is fifteen to nineteen. We put those women in magazines all the time.
3: Yes. Mm. We
0: use that was, as marketing. I was in magazines and, at 18, and, 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 so yes. And, or mm. or, or mm. Kylie Jenner, or some of these girls who end up Victoria's Secret models, or bikini models. These women are 15 to 19 years mm. old. Mm. And to be quite frank, when you look at what R. Kelly did, they were not pre- prepubescent girls, okay? They were that age. He's, he's like a borderline between the two, mm. and like the 12, 13, that's right at pubescence all the way to like 19 when he yeah. g- was caught saying, when you're talking about teenagers, how old are you are talking? Which a lot of people thought was really fucked up and it was a fucked up thing to say. But, that's but society. when you start thinking about how our society mm-hmm. glorifies youth and beauty. Now let's talk about being humans and let's talk about animalistic and let's talk about Egypt. And the, the back in the day, it's because you are most fertile from like 15 to 25. That was mm-hmm. the marrying age. Age, back, yes. yes well, it was and you have to look, the this marrying is- marrying age in a lot of countries now. That's what I'm saying. Still, yes. but That They're tying that to fertility. And reproduction. And they're yeah. tying that to the most basic, like lowest level mm-hmm. of human. Mm-hmm. What we are trying to do right now is dissect at a very high thinking level. Mm-hmm. Humans are savages, okay? Yeah. No, all we want to do is keep our species going And so, inertly, there's this thing. We market young women. We sell the ideas of young women. Think about the runways, the outfits. And this is not blaming the woman.
2: I am talking about society. So, when you sat here and said this is not about blaming the woman, you were on Twitter very actively, um, the same way like I was. Mm -hmm. And so, one thing that I saw a lot of men point out, and if we want to bring this back into maybe the accountability of women or teenagers, if you can even hold them accountable would be the girls in the club, 21 and up clubs, but with the fake IDs, the girls lying about their age, Mm -hmm. the girls going to maybe college parties while they're in high school. And I will sit here and admit I did all, all three, all four. I was talking to men that I probably shouldn't have. I was in the club with fake IDs. Um, I was going to college parties as a high schooler under age. I was talking to,
3: Grown men thinking I was cool because they had cars they and they had their own apartments while I was in high school. And that's where that's where the conversation starts, where we have to talk to talk to our young girls and our young boys, our young boys and our young girls very early about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And right. So and when you kind have... of start to ingrain some of those things in them so that their conscious can because my mom was like wild like, Mama, I wasn't, the way you said your 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 mom was very open and so forth, my mother was the opposite. Okay. She was very graphic in the sense where she would be like, yo, if anybody ever tries to get you in their car, don't you ever go in their car. The things that they're going to do to you after they take you away are going to be much worse than them shooting you on spot. Like, yo, she was wild <laughs> with it. it and it necessary. came from a place of trauma, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I believe. You know what I'm saying? And it came Did she from, ever
0: open up to you about anything? Never. Okay. You and know see, what I'm saying? And see, that's the sad thing. Yeah. Sometimes I wish we would.
3: Yeah. But she didn't, and it perpetuates a cycle right, of so not I, opening up. I have a, a question. You,
2: you you started by saying that you're a wife, you're a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, have you experienced any sort of sexual trauma?
3: I have. I was molested at a young age. Okay. Um, and then sexually assaulted as an adult. Um, and also... It's, it's just it's that's why those these conversations, it's so interesting to see people's commentary like she's a fast ass little girl. You know mm, what I'm saying? That's
2: where I was getting at with that conversation. But is. then
3: we'll have when we're young, we're always trying to be older. We're all, we do we do silly shit in the name of like trying to be mature.
0: But that is actually a part of. Of the adolescent of be, brain of, That developing. is part of it. That,
3: exactly. Like I think it's
0: so crazy that some... We are a perfect storm of opportunity when you end up with someone, a predator. Yes. Whether R. Kelly or... A family member or anyone,
2: a teacher, anyone, right? Mm -hmm.
0: anybody, Mm -hmm. because in in adolescence, prepubescence and adolescence, you have so many things going on. Your hormones are raging. You're having all these feelings you cannot explain Um, your brain. Actually, the adolescent brain takes 80 seconds to recognize it's made a bad decision. If oh, wow. we were to sit here for 80 seconds, I do this exercise in my classes. I sit in silence for 80 time. seconds and I it say, is. how many other bad decisions can you make in 80, <laughs> in 80, 80 seconds? Because seconds. they just start compiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, we have to really as parents... Uh, We have to really educate ourselves on how adolescence works, Mm -hmm. because there's a reason for the rebellion. There's a reason for the. It's never going to happen to me.
2: Mm. Um, I want to talk about that for sure. It's it's there's a this is developmental stuff, and and Mm -hmm.
0: parents think I don't want to talk too soon. Guess when too soon is? Never. How about I teach? um, I also do a parenting class Mm -hmm. for zero to three early child early sexual um, development in children. Mm -hmm. You should start building body autonomy before that child can speak because language is important. important. Mm -hmm. We know statistically black children go into kindergarten 50,000 words less than their white counterparts on average. Mm -hmm. But guess what that means? That means that we are missing out on opportunities to create body autonomy in them in Mm -hmm. some of those 50,000 words they don't have. No, bottom vagina. It's not a hu- it's hoo-ha. Not a hoop. It's, it's not, not a like it's not cupcake. a fucking
3: cupcake. It's not a bagel. <laughs> like, no, it's it a is penis. a vagina and it's a penis. And, a penis. and we te- and I teach my daughter um, and we could talk about this more when Jamila joins yes. us because she also has a daughter the same I would age. Love to. But I teach we teach our daughter very much and have taught her very early about privacy. Yes. About people not if you don't want to be touched, if you don't want to be hugged, mm-hmm. then you don't have to be hugged. Right. You are more than welcome to tell this person, I don't want to be touched.
2: I like that. Well, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we will have Jamila Lemieux joining us. Um, So we'll be right back. Hi, guys. We are back and we are plus one. We are now joined with Jamila Lemieux. And I don't think I could do justice of saying everything that you do. So please let everyone know what
1: it is that you do. You know, it's funny, that's how my family feels too. They're like, You have a job? I'm like, I do, I have a lot of jobs. Um, I'm a cultural critic and writer. Uh, I was an editor at Ebony Magazine for many years, and then I was over at Interactive One um, as a programming VP, and now I'm working for myself. Um, I've got some consulting clients. The primary one is Girls for Gender Equity, which is an organization, a nonprofit that works with girls, gender nonconforming, conforming and trans youth between the ages of 14 and 25, um, on policy work, mentoring uh, survivor circles for survivors of sexual violence. Um, and I guess in my role as cultural critic, I did appear in Surviving R. Kelly as a commentator. Okay, and you did a great job, by the way. Thank you. You were bringing some truth to it. So before
2: we, before we left off, we were discussing um, pretty much the uh, the conversation that needs to be had um, in the household with adolescent children, um, not only on how on privacy, not only on words and what to name your body parts and private parts, but also with communication. Mm-hmm. So, before we left off, I did want to ask: with you saying that you have been a victim of sexual assault at a very young age, you said 11 years old, and as an adult, is this a conversation that you will have? And you have a daughter, correct? Mm-hmm. Is this a conversation that you will have with her? And how do you have that conversation?
3: Yeah, I'm going to ask you as well, Jamila. I'm going to have to have that conversation with her only because uh, I'm recognizing um, where the lack of conversation with my mother has played a huge role in how I communicate and Mm. how I talk about things and... How it comes back up later on, so i don't i'm literally and let me let me be very clear I had a very wonderful black mother, mm-hmm. but I had a very black mother, <laughs> you know what i 'm saying with yes. a lot of you know a lot of those um those those generational things that we need to break that come along with yes. that. And so she was a wonderful mother. But there are things that I definitely and I speak very openly about it on getting grown that I'd like to change in how I raise my daughter. Okay. I don't ever want her to feel ashamed for anything that I don't want anything to ever happen to her. Let's of be course, very clear. I think that's but well, I don't yeah, ever want her sure. to feel ashamed for things that go on with her body. For it. I don't ever need her to feel ashamed to come talk to me about anything. I didn't want to talk to my mother, sorry, guys, about the very first yeast infection I oh, had I, that came as a result of antibiotics.
2: I, well, I shared on, on my show, and I, so I'm biracial. I grew up with a white mom, but everyone jokes and says she's blacker than I am because she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's that type of woman. But I hid my period from her. For a year, wow. mm-hmm. I was sneaking pads. I was asking friends at school mm-hmm. just because I didn't know how to communicate that with my body at 10 years old. I was in fifth grade, I did. I hid my period from her. And it wasn't until she was doing my laundry and saw bloody panties that she came to me and was yeah. like, when did this start? Mm-hmm. And that too was because she had never opened up. She she did grow up, she was sexually assaulted. She left her house at 15 years old. Mm-hmm. She had to grow up very fast. And there was there's still to this day, now that you mentioned this, She lets me know that bad things happened to her, but what it was, I still don't know. I still don't know. She let me know that it wasn't easy. There were people that touched her. She she was running from a lot. Mm -hmm. And I guess between zero and 10, I never felt that connection to even tell her I was on my period. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think even now my relationship with her and even oh my god I'm getting choked up even talking about it because now I'm realizing that there are so many things that my mom hasn't shared it shared to me Mm -hmm. and I wasn't assaulted until I was an adult but even my reaction when that happened I feel like could have been different had this been a more open dialogue now Jamila you also have a daughter yes What is the com- will you have that conversation? How how are you having the conversation?
1: Because your daughter currently is she's five and a half, five and so a half she's years old. Just a few months older mm-hmm. than uh
3: We were and- pregnant together. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. okay. And and so is our this- children
3: are, are birds of the same feather. They are two little wild birds. <laughs> <was> very wild
0: <laughs> birds.
2: And so, is this a conversation? Have you had a sex talk with her? The body talk? Yeah. um Maybe the privacy talk like how is that conversation
1: it's definitely begun it's definitely begun it's interesting you know and listening to both of your podcasts and hearing you all talk about your experiences with your mothers i say that my mother and even me to some extent are somewhere square in the middle Mm -hmm. like a lot of classic black mama stuff Mm -hmm. you know like hiding these things or just kind of like (laughs) dancing around certain subjects you know to protect you or perhaps Mm -hmm. to protect herself and then also kind of what people joke about is like permissive, like white, you know, white stroller parents, you know, like, and I know I'm that sometimes. I know other black moms see me on the street like, wow, <laughs> you just going to let her. You're not going to beat your child. You I, know, I'm not even going like,
3: to lie. I rolled up with Jamila at Target one day <laughs> and Vinnie Mila was laid the fuck out like a snow angel. <laughs> but like, It's like, you know what? What you going to do? Like, I'm, gonna gonna do. You, I'm not right? going to fight you. Like, but. I would say that,
2: that that is completely different. I was just talking to Michelle the other day. Um, I have a friend who has a 13-year-old daughter, um, and she just caught her daughter reading soft porn. So it was... I was excited about it. Yeah. yeah. I was and, like, she's reading. <laughs> she's that on was like, her good thing. Yeah, yeah. and... And my friend's immediate response when she saw that her daughter was reading this was, I'm taking her laptop away. I'm putting her on punishment. And I said, ma'am, no no, the fuck you're not. On on the phone with my friend, I said, ma'am. Don't punish her no. for stuff that we know is going to happen. I said, you don't think she's just going to go read that shit out on the school computers? Right. I said, so, and I'm not even a parent. I ain't got no kids. I ain't shot nothing out my vagina. But I do know the importance of those conversations knowing I wish I had those conversations. Right. Yeah, and I'm a very sexual person, as a lot of you know. What? You grew up differently. I did. So,
0: I, I did. Okay, so my mom is a lesbian, and she's white, and she was a feminist, and we had to have a conversation about racism a couple mm-hmm. years ago because she was a white feminist. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah, we had to, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. we, like, yeah uh, yes. we get it. We get it. Yeah. You know, but I have to really applaud her because when we had that conversation, she sat on boards. She's like, you ladies, but she was a white woman in Indiana, um, and she kind of disclosed to me, black women kept saying they needed their own, and we kept saying, no, we're all fighting the same fight, mm-hmm. and she was like, Michelle it took you to like teach me that it's not the same it's fight, the same fight. Um, but I am super grateful that I grew up in this space like I always tell people you got to go to camp on a wanapia. <laughs> I went to Lilith Fair before there was Lilith Fair right. and I'll never forget watching a woman lay on the floor and breathe do breathing exercises into an orgasm I was probably your daughter's age yeah five or six. Oh I mean. wow and I remember being like mom what is she doing and my mom was just like she is pleasing herself Mm -hmm. without touching her genitals and this is a very natural part of being a human and i know sometimes you you might get urges to touch your vagina um, but you can't do that in public and this woman is just demonstrating how to feel pleasure without touch and she was like and my mom loves to tell the stories how I was like a chronic masturbator. I was that. I. Which by the way, I, I want to be very, very clear. That is a very normal mm-hmm. behavior yes. Yes. in yeah. sexual development. And oftentimes when I do parent classes, I hear parents say they chastise their children and they yell at their children. And they're like, don't do that. And that is the best way to open them up to a predator. Yep. Because if you are chastising them for doing something very natural, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you know baby boys can be seen uh, masturbating in the womb? No way. Yeah. Because to them, it's not sexual to them. It's body exploration and they touch a part of their body like, man, this feels good at that age, between the ages of like infancy to like five and six. It is not for a purpose of orgasm. It is no, super. So, it's I like was, sucking yeah. your thumb. It well, always like, oh, feels good. That's why you see
1: it at yeah. nap time. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why that's you see it at it bedtime. It. That's why boys really. are always doing it. Yeah, when I was balls. in preschool, that mm-hmm. was like a thing. Yep.
1: You know, and so I, I, I'll say my mother, I think, had a very good approach to it. And mm-hmm. I won't talk about, you know, my child and if she's done or, you know, right. but just that our approach to that is similar. So yep. if that's something that we were to catch her, you know, doing, it's one, of course, we have to talk about dirty kid hands. Yeah. You know, and what that can cause down there. Right. Right exploring that part of her body is natural you know it's really just okay you know you can't do this when you're on the playground with your friends you can't do this at school school. but I also don't want to create shame around that part of her body so that when somebody unlocks that button you know this thing that she's been curious about now that she's you know she'll be vulnerable to them um I'll just say, you know, to your question about how I talked to her about predators and and sex in general, I Mm -hmm. think we've had a very progressive, you know, as did my parents, like I knew body part names. So even though we might have said pocketbook or I think it was private area or Mm private became privacy or, you know, I have a I have an itch in my private area or Mm -hmm. my privacy. When I was a little kid, I still knew vagina and penis. And, she, you know, and she has a younger brother and they bathe together. So she's seen a penis. She's, you know, Mm -hmm. clear. They have different equipment. You know, and she's not terribly curious about it, but, like, curious enough, like, okay, you know, he's got this thing, I've got that thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But we... I'm not hiding it much from her. Right. But, you know, like she saw the beginning of the R. Kelly documentary. I wasn't, of course, oh, well. going to let her sit through all of it. Of but, course. you know, she was getting ready to go to bed. I let her get a glimpse of mommy on TV. That's something that's always mm-hmm. exciting to her. And mm-hmm. it's funny because she said, so when did R. Kelly die? And I was like, well, he didn't He didn't, <laughs> Girl, die. Valid and question. He didn't die. And she said, ugh. Oh, mm. Valley well, mood. He just mood. Needs to go. Mood. Right. There you because go. Because I told her once we were in a store. And they were playing one of his songs on the radio. It might have been, I Believe I Can Fly or Ignition, something I knew that she would hear again. And my daughter loves music. She loves old school music. Mm -hmm. And I said, you must know that this is a bad man. When you hear his music, you don't dance. And she said, why is he a bad man? I said, he hurts black women and girls. You know, mm. and so why, why are you in this movie about him? Why is there a movie about him? Because he's done bad things to a lot of black women and girls, and mm-hmm. that's important. So she recognizes him as a bad person. Like and, and the only thing we really talked about beyond that from the documentary, because she saw, I put her to bed uh, during the Aaliyah section. You know, she asked about who Aaliyah mm-hmm. was, and, you know, and I said, little girls do not have adult boyfriends. you don't have adult friends you know what i mean you have my friends because she does have a lot of play uncles and people who you know not she's only met one person i was dating and it was a serious relationship Mm -hmm. but aside from that you know the men that are around are my friends right and so and and people that i trust her with and there's only a handful of them that she would be around them one-on-one right you know because i don't want to ritualize or normalize like you just be with men yeah Yeah. you know these are people that you know a godfather father's best friend my best friend um, but that these are not your friends. These right. are mommy's friends. These are people who care about you. These are people that are part of your village. And even with that, mm. you know, there's still a level mm-hmm. with Tastious. the women, too. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it's everyone. You know, I right. asked, has anyone touched you? You know, right. when you're not with me, how you know how are you treated yep. at school? How do you know if you need to help wipe me yourself when you're in daycare? You know, like mm-hmm. when she was in daycare, I'd ask, you know, was so-and-so do it? How did they do it? You know, and usually there were they were hands off. There were times when I'm like, yo, she needs some help in the bathroom. She's coming home smelling like pee. Yeah, but I <laughs> right. get it. You know, and right. I and I respect and understand the kind of fear of like, you know, right. not wanting to do more than handing her a baby wife and just standing by the door as opposed to getting in there when she needed somebody to do it because she was three. Right. You know, well, what
2: you say, um, Jade, what you've said and Michelle, what you've said is the education that starts in the household. And yeah. I feel like that is more so needed than anything because of the lack of sex education in Absolutely. schools. They're not. An, I, I remember um, and I'm, I'm class of 09. Um, sex ed was an elective. One semester in high school, and it still pretty much was be abstinent, don't have sex or you'll mm-hmm. die or get pregnant. Oh, yeah, and man, there was really it was more yeah. Um, we talked about it yesterday, and it was more so scare tactics. Were you at a private school or public no, school? No, I went to a public school in Orlando, Florida. Wow. Yeah. Um,
0: and Florida it does teach sex ed as an elective, it's an elective even to this yes. day. Yes. But they they really push abstinence they only, push abstinence. so wow. they use a lot of scare tactics. It's a
2: lot of scare tactics involved, and it's not,
0: not accurate or inclusive. Uh, yeah.
2: Well, and not only that, I remember even being in sex ed. Um, shit, maybe half the half the semester was nutrition, so mm-hmm. it was like sex Two ed weeks. and nutrition. Yes. Uh, so I'm just like, and it was counted as like a physical education, like a PE yeah. Cl- yeah. course. And I'm just like, when I finally got you know, in, into fucking, yeah. I was like that. Did absolutely nothing for me. Yep. It was still very much not talked about in the household. So the fact that you have began talking yeah. with your child and you do the same, yeah. I think that it's more needed um, with women and boys. But mm-hmm. not pushing our men to have sex and not sitting here telling women they're never to do horrible what if they have it. Like right. there has to be some sort of middle dialogue to let people know, like yeah. we're humans. This yeah. is how it's going to happen. We pleasure ourselves. We touch ourselves. It's we're human beings.
0: Well, I think what we have to remember, and this is something we don't talk about. So, for me in the work that I do, you know, I'm I, I see myself as an activist, a reproductive justice activist, a social activist. Uh, but I am a firm believer, and I've said this before, and I will say it: a large part of the generational poverty that Black people experience mm-hmm. is rooted in sexuality, mm. because sexuality Be touches every single yes, part of yes. our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gender um, or or identity, Mm -hmm. which would encompass gender and body image. Sexual reproductive health. Look at the disparities in STIs and HIV rates across Mm -hmm. the nation. Um, Sexualization, which you guys have been talking about. I loved the sexualization
2: of black women specifically. But not only that,
0: here's the thing about sexualization. Uh, It's on a spectrum. So on the healthy part, you have flirting. Right. And how to be able to attract a mate. And on the really disgusting part, you have what we saw in the last three nights of this yeah. um, um, the surviving R. Kelly. You have sensuality, which is about yeah. being OK with your body. Like yeah. mm-hmm. Right. You have reproductive rights, which is we're starting to see chipped Birth away control, from abortion. the Trump yeah. administration. Yeah. And, and 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 then you have society. Yeah because your values, your religious background, all of these things come to play, your experience with your mother um, come into play and that is what gets us to places where we see high rates of intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. The CDC just said black women from zero to somewhere around 35, homicide is in the top three causes Mm -hmm. of death. Like we have to understand. Be careful
1: saying that uh, (laughs) I was on The Breakfast Club with someone who gave that statistic and have had to deal with two years of Wait. black men accusing me of being at war with black men. Oh, no, I'm not at war with black men. So, for no, I know. mentioning, for no, simply mentioning that for, I, I want to say it's black uh, women and girls between the ages of 14 to mm-hmm. 25, the mm-hmm. number two cause of death is it's homicide. It's homicide, yes, girl. And by her saying that, I've had to deal with it. I posted a picture of my daughter and I at the White House with Barack and Michelle Obama, and someone shared it. and got hundreds of retweets with Jamila and the number two killer of black women.
0: Guess what? We didn't say black men were doing the killing. We said that intimate partner violence does the killing. Right. Yeah. So right. for all these black men who want to comfort
3: Yo, you, they love yeah. bring yeah. It. Yeah, Yo, fuck be. you, ashy-ass because niggas. I'm tired, no, I'm tired of reading all of these comments. Yes. And I try not to retweet this shit, and I see it. Mm-hmm. I see it. And I'm not fighting people with my fucking thumbs. No. But right. you all choose to be—you choose blatant— ignorant. Like, to be blatantly never ignorant. They don't, yeah. they don't fucking read. They don't, they don't. They don't thoroughly read. This yeah. is black men. This is black women. This is white men. This is whi- This is a whole bunch of motherfucking people who don't fucking read and don't know anything, yeah. and they spew all kinds of bullshit. <sighs> they've never been through anything, or they've been through a whole bunch, and they don't know how to fucking deal with mm-hmm. it. But what they need to learn how to do is shut the fuck up. Yeah, and I'm so tired of reading people spew things all over the place, and y'all don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Well,
2: Even when it came to them saying, well, teenage girls be out here doing this and doing yeah. that. And it, the, the fact that I was reading this from from black men, it's like you guys want to find every way to blame us, us for why we're treated the way we are, why we're over sexualized, yep. why people don't believe us. Like if you even look into the statistics right now of black women. And their births and having births, yeah, how we're treated mortality. when we go to the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen documentaries where they say, we just don't believe that black women really hurt as much yes. as they say they but hurt. But that's
0: because like, the foundation of gynecology yes. was built on the black backs of black slave women. Exactly. And yeah. like exactly. people want to talk about, oh, Tuskegee was terrible. Honey, come and sit with me for a little bit. And I'm going to show you how the American Medical Association yep. through reproductive yes health and reproductive oppression have been killing black and brown women and then calling it medical miracles and for these men i'm not calling you out brother i'm calling you
1: in calling you in i
0: am not calling you out and i understand some of these feminist circles can be very uncomfortable because sometimes i go to him and i'm like listen ladies we're kind of fucking up because we're not gonna get nothing done without men but men i need you to grab your motherfucking cojones Pull your da dun da up and step to the table because we need you.
1: Yeah. If and you didn't sure. see that in that video, in that show. Right. If your reaction to anything in Surviving R. Kelly was to defend anyone other than black women and girls, yeah. we didn't watch the same movie. No, we didn't. And I don't care if we you didn't. were disappointed and this person shouldn't have been in it or this thing was not, you know, this part wasn't handled well. You can critique the documentary. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it was perfect. Right. But if of your course. takeaway was not black women and girls being underprotected, over sexualized discarded then you your heart is not in the right place and something that you mentioned when you talk about um, at the beginning of your remarks a few minutes ago, how, every, you know, the, the disparities in income and life outcomes yeah. for black people in this mm-hmm. country rooting back to sexuality. The preschool, you know, we talk about the school-to-prison pipeline when Hello. we talk about black children in general, mm-hmm. or yes. specifically black boys, but for black girls it's the sexual assault to prison pipeline so yep. often, right? So, yep. like, how do you get into the the, the carceral system, right? right? Yep. Like, why were you suspended from class? Why, why were, you were you sleeping out? in class? Why were you acting out? Why didn't mm-hmm. you come with your uniform? Because something's going on at home, that your teachers, your white, middle-class, suburban teachers that landed in the ghetto for a few years Mm -hmm. while they're waiting for somebody to marry them so they don't have to do that kind of work anymore, (laughs) so they can get a master's degree for free, Mm, while they're languishing in Bed-Stuy or Harlem trying to figure things out in their 20s. They're dealing with these kids that they can't connect to. Mm -hmm. They're not recognizing that the the girl who always has the attitude doesn't know how to deal with the fact that she's got a D-cup breast And, and the boys are saying something about it or just staring and at she her. Don't she run. doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't even have the no right money to get the right yep. size bra. To get the right size bra. So, bra, so she's, she's in pain. She's and she is pain. bubbling out. Literally. The she, and then you're making her run
3: around the block. You're making her do all right. these things. You have to she do, is you uncomfortable. You can't sit through gym
1: class even though, you know, maybe I, I gained a cup size and 20 pounds in the past semester and I don't have new gym clothes. Because so I want to sit down because, because I'm, and then I'm not my pain. Or even
2: as a, even as maybe a more developed black woman, I will say there were clothes that I I could put on and the next girl next to me if she was smaller could put on and the teachers would come to me and be like oh no this is inappropriate and teachers would be looking at me a certain way I know because of what I was wearing and I was talking to her just the sexualization of us looking at how things fit Uh, still 12, 13, 14 year old girl we're getting into puberty in certain ways and we are feeling uncomfortable with our boobs being big. I was on the TV, this is not funny, but I was on the TV announcements when I was in school. I was the one that said, hey, welcome everyone to school and I remember for at least a month I would get on TV, I would have them adjust the camera, but I would sit at the table like this to have my arms cover my chest because the boys would always mention how big my breasts were on TV and how they looked and I'm just like, I'm not comfortable with yeah. with the
1: size of my tits. So yes, what you're saying is very, very true. It's something I want to shout out that Girls for Gender Equity is doing that I think is really important. They launched um at the end of last year the camp a campaign called The School Girls Deserve. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they did research, they talked to girls and, and queer and trans youth in New York City schools. And so, you know, what are, what are you looking for? Like what would make this a better, safer environment for mm-hmm. you? Dress code violations. Are at the top of the list of reasons that girls of color are suspended from school yes. or miss classroom activities, detention, right. all detention, of that, suspension. My all mom, of that.
2: my mom couldn't come and get me to change my my my, my outfit right, So what am I supposed to work. do? You're taking they, me, in. you're taking me out of my class yes. because you don't like the length of my skirt, and I can sit here and point out two, three, four, five other girls with a skirt that would be just as questionable. But because I have thighs, because yeah. I have these hips, yeah. it's looking sexualized. Yeah. And I would fight that. I, this was me in middle school. So yeah. what you're saying is very,
1: very, I love that you're doing that. Absolutely. And so it's like, so not only are we, you know, there's a different standard for the white girl who weighs 110 pounds versus mm-hmm. the black girl who weighs 150 pounds or mm-hmm. 160 pounds, right? There's also, even if the white girls are getting, and some of them are suspended for wearing yeah. crop tops and short skirt. We're not saying it never happens mm-hmm. It doesn't happen to them at the same rate. But if it did happen to them at the same rate, suspending and punishing girls for Mm. their dress code, for for their their clothing, which by the way, New York City does not have a universal dress code, so these things are, you know, they're they're handled school school by school, teacher Mm -hmm. by teacher, administrator Mm -hmm. by administrator, girl by girl. Mm -hmm. So when these things happen. You're sending a message to our girls that they're the ones responsible for making sure that they're not sexually harassed or which sexually assaulted, yep. which right. is the same thing that they will learn again when they are adults, when it becomes, what were you drinking? Where were yep. you? Who were you with? How late were Why you out? were you there? Did you have yep. sex with him before? All of that. And so you're removing these girls from classroom time. Meanwhile, in New York City, you have a million, 1.1 million students and one Title IX coordinator. One And that position is vacant, by the way. But they have one person whose job is to pursue investigations of sexual assault, sexual violence, and harassment claims. Wow. One. For 1.1 million students. So you've got piles of cases that, that are... Cases. The school ends up... Schools and districts end up settling. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. girls end up leaving. Like, mm-hmm. we're not confronting the sexual violence that takes place in our schools.
0: And we're not also when it comes to these dress code violations. Right now, we just talked about girls. We didn't even touch non-binary students right. or our LGBTQ mm-hmm. youth who are yeah. also struggling. And mm-hmm. and I think that the problem with this is policy. Mm-hmm. It's education, mm-hmm. because I am someone who fights for um, sex ed mandate K through 12, medically accurate, culturally competent, and inclusive. Mm -hmm. The problem is, although New York City is a sex ed mandate, uh, it is a soft mandate, and they do not have enough qualified teachers who have been trained in the work to do the work. And I am a firm believer, you start educating a young person to body autonomy. And, you know, I do an activity called Circles of Touch, which uses colors and and Mm -hmm. shapes to help young people, four, five, six, understand who's in this circle who's in this circle who can give me high fives we have to teach that from zero all the way up so then by the time they get to high school there is no questions and in addition we have to train educators we -hmm. have to train administration because if the leadership doesn't understand policy doesn't understand cultural competency these kinds of dress code violations will continue to perpetuate, right? So it can't, and then in addition to that, parents, I know you guys, we want sex ed to start in the home, but some parents don't know how to even start. So we need more resources to help parents, like adult parenting sex ed classes are needed. Mm -hmm. We need to seek people out who can facilitate those conversations, and being a woman of color, I know there are them out there, but it seems like far too often take the advice um, of people that don't necessarily look like us in this space Mm -hmm. Um, I love Dr. Ruth I love Dr. Drew but a part of why I got into this was I was like how do they know what it's like to be black and deal with all these things because that is a large part of what plays into our holistic sexuality
2: I I like the conversation where it's shifting now because it's where I wanted to to take it we talked about the adults (laughs) in this documentary and, oh. and the accomplices, um, the bystanders, yeah. the not only the parents, but the entourage, the friends, um, family members. So mm. I guess I want to now shift the latter part of this conversation now to how we hold each other accountable. Mm. Um, we can't sit here and sit here and think that this is going to change because our children are gonna know now what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, This has to start with us now. We are all now generation XYZ, millennials, we're all here, baby boomers. It now has to be to where we hold the people around us accountable. So you were a part of this documentary, you- we both said, what, Bruce ain't everybody a goddamn go lick of shit? Jail. Everybody got to to jail. Pretty much everybody to has jail. to go to jail. But I wanted to talk to you and what your immediate thoughts were on the accountability of the adults that were around while this was happening.
3: I think they're all trash. I think every every adult who was around and witnessed this was trash. Now, but the problem, there's so many problems so that many go problems. into that. Yeah, This, we, you know... Ugh, it gets into money, and it gets into mm-hmm. people not being able to and take power. care of their families. Not even just power, though. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just survival. Because mm-hmm. if you sat there and you looked at uh, what was her name, G- not Javante. What was the background dancer's G- name? Javante. Uh, mm-hmm. You look at her. And like I said and I and I did, I sat then I said, All of you motherfuckers are complicit and all of y'all gotta go to jail. Mm-hmm. But when I started doing math, I'm like, Well this girl she's talking about sneaking Aaliyah out and doing all this and I know this is not specifically about the documentary. Right. But I'm like, when she's doing that, how old is she? She's 17, 16, 18, 17, years yeah. 17 18 years old? And Aaliyah's fourteen years old? I had 17-year-old right. friends. That's your peer. Same. So but the adults. The adults. Yeah. That yeah. raggedy ass nigga who sat up there and said, him, who said, I wanted to help her But I, I I, I saw the look in her eyes. I saw the look in her eyes. But you, motherfucking, helped facilitate the paperwork, and you helped put all of this into place. Mm -hmm. Not one of you stepped up and said, "This shit is wrong."
2: But what you were saying with the money. But the reason is because he
3: was their meal ticket. Yeah. Not to me. That is not a justification. I think they're all trash. And that motherfucker Bruce and those purple ass eyes. He can stay there for the fuck ever. Yeah, like I that agree, nigga yeah. can stay there forever. He is. He don't need to be on the streets. We don't need another. We don't need another one on the yeah. street. Yeah. I, but yeah,
2: I'll, I'll say with what you're saying with money, and I feel like this is why a lot of us in the black households also deal with this. I grew up in a single parent household, and my mom also grew up with a stepdad. And when it came to what was happening. With her again, I didn't receive details, but her mom chose the dad. Mm. A lot of us, as women, will choose the provider, and we do allow men into our households when we have children, and if they're bringing something to the table, we feel like we can't lose that sometimes at the expense of our own children. Yeah. Well,
0: I think, again, this goes back to how sexuality touches every aspect yeah. of our life because course, it comes yes. down to black women mm-hmm. not having equal pay for equal work. There you yeah. go. This is, that is sexuality in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And this is what, again, I just want to reiterate to people because when you really start to think about how sexuality bleeds mm-hmm. into everything in your life, you might then wake up. You wonder why these people were selling people out? Just like you said, a single mom, black women make less money, Mm -hmm. have less opportunity for upward mobility. They was just trying to make sure you had, like,
3: her daughter had food, right? but black people too and it goes into education and and, people talk about I don't want to talk about slavery no more it all goes back to it though and it goes back it's all generational all of these secrets and all of these things we don't want to talk about and the fact that we don't have the money to take care of our families and do all of these things and so we're willing to put up with fucked up shit and be nasty and savage ass human beings because we just want to motherfucking pay our rent or what have you or these niggas are worse like they're they're worse like they wanted to be a part they needed that I'm
2: curious during the documentary were you able to be in the same room with any of these people, um, or yeah. you weren't able to talk to any only, of them?
1: I was only present for my interview. Okay, um, but I am friends with Dream, and so we talked a bit throughout okay. the process. So I had some insight. And some so info. that
2: would be—I would uh, say—because I would, say would want to know after listening to these adults saying that they were witnessing, they were all almost all all a part of human trafficking. If you sit here and ask me, every person that was yeah. a part of R, R. Kelly's entourage or team at that specific Absolutely. time and even probably now helped him get those the girls. The police. I, I, yeah. The police girl the police. in the police department warned him about the but welfare checks. Yeah. I was just like holy shit this is a problem in the community this is, yeah. so this I want to call surviving society because that's what the fuck we're doing but with those people or with those individuals where does it get to where we can be comfortable to sit here and confront our friends or our homies, our providers. Like, where is it? Where do we get there?
1: You know, a conversation I had with a mutual friend of ours actually once about how do you step in when your homeboy is mistreating a woman? Mm. Right, and we weren't even talking about violence. We were talking about I think no, I think I can't remember if it started with infidelity or like rampant infidelity, okay. or if it was even just ne- maybe it was child neglect. Okay, like like not so, seeing the, your child or child. not seeing your child, not paying your child support, but being Those, at the bar, or being out with other women, just like kind of okay. like the power of social death. Mm-hmm. Right, it was Dream mentioned last night, like if women wouldn't fuck with you if they knew that you didn't take care of your child. If you were persona non grata, if you go in the bar and everybody's like, "Mm mm-mm, he don't take care of his kid. You can't get a phone number. You can't find set. Mm. you know what I mean? Would that change things? If you're homeboys, right? Because you don't, okay, you don't really respect or listen to women. You'll find another circle of women, right? Maybe the women in your your circles, you know, like, okay, you're a podcaster. The podcast girls aren't fucking with me, Mm -hmm. but I can go to New Jersey or I can go elsewhere Mm -hmm. and find some women. But let's talk about your friends. Mm -hmm. If you always step up and say, listen, what you're doing, be it your child, be it something that you've done uh, physically or emotionally to your woman, if you're the one who's you know getting her get her another drink dog. get her another drink and you're like "Whoa, she's too she's had a right. lot to drink already what are you trying to mm-hmm. do you know or making sure that this woman doesn't go like if we could count on you all to do that it would change so much and I challenge that uh, of the men who are bothered by yes. feeling you know that, that we're painting black men in a bad light because we want to talk about sexual violence against black women and girls which typically does happen at their hands right mm-hmm. it started your hands in this country but it ended it. It, it, it it's in your hands now it's in your hands you down. all the ones that have the power to change that.
2: And what what Michelle said was, while we're sitting here having this conversation and while you have your organizations, you are sitting here, you're a part of a lot of organizations and you help with education, it's not only us that can make this change. It right. is a lot of men. And the only thing that I sat here and thought of during the documentary, during conversations with male friends who sit here and either help their friends cheat, turn a side eye yeah. when they're abusing their girlfriends, all of these things, like like Michelle, like you said, men, we need you to also step in and take mm-hmm. part. And I like that challenge. So for any men who are listening right now um, and sat here and felt disgusted the same way we did at this documentary and genuinely want to make a change, Something without starting a a nonprofit or or anything big can start as immediate as the niggas in your circle. Mm -hmm. Your brothers, your uncles, anyone that you see is doing questionable that you don't agree with. Confront that person, confront that man and ask him, why are you doing this? And I don't think it's right. And I think a lot of people wouldn't think it is right. And literally sit here and make them self-reflect. And if they don't want to change their ways remove yourselves a lot of these people their narcissistic behaviors mm-hmm. their desire to be around other people their yeah. that idea that you said in the beginning the manhood and to be yeah. the man yeah. that that demands respect from a lot of yeah. A, yeah. a lot of people yeah. and 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 fellas if you sit here and start removing your respect for others yeah they'll sit here and am i am All i, I doing a little change I, I
0: i think that if we're gonna say that
2: People Go are gonna come after me for this
0: one. <laughs> we all have to, have to admit that women can be predators too. Absolutely, oh, yes, yeah, women Absolutely. can be predators on men, and so we are not saying, "Man, you're the only bad nope, person we're not. out there, not at all." Because no. there are definitely some predator women out there. Yeah.
3: Oh, this shit, this molestation well, shit I'm, is not. It's, it's not, because it's, not it's, not, it's like chicken it. and no. egg. Yeah, you know
0: what I'm saying. I had said earlier, if a boy is molested at 11 by an 18 year old girl and then we say, no, you weren't molested, you become a man, how can he then understand when he sexually assaults somebody, if he right. was told, you, we, we're discrediting you? We, yeah. we, we, if we're gonna believe survivors, we believe survivors. Um, <coughs> and that also means that sometimes we have to take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask Absolutely. ourselves, because you know, in my own experience, I had to ask myself, what kind of derelict ass things did I do in college when I was like, oh, you know, maybe if I got him one more cup of Hennessy, he would give me that attention I want. Or when
1: a or the cult that we are very, we're not as likely to be predatory but our propensity to be coercive oh mm-hmm. yes it's so So when a man says I don't want to do, do this, this yes but babe and so yeah. a baby and you're kissing on him or you're putting you know his penis in your mouth and exactly. we're not looking at this as a sexual assault and we're not yes, and because of power di- the power dynamic, the power dynamics not aggressive. are different yes because right? they're the stronger they're stronger they don't have the same social. like what happens to you socially if the world hears your right, story right, if, right. If you reject me sexually versus me rejecting you sexually and what could be the consequence they're different yep. but that's still not okay coercion and not about, is coercion yeah, coercion is. is coercion it's not about derailing the conversation about black women and girls nope. it's about saying like the rape culture yes. means that men mm-hmm. are expected to be well there's a, the the notion that we are sexually available to them at all times yep. that they're supposed to be sexually ready for us at all times that yep. they have to want it and if you don't want it you're weak or, or you're that, gay yeah. or yeah. you know, that's there's my, something that's wrong that's with yeah. you yep. so that we don't allow them to have a lack of desire or interest or or any number of reasons to not be looking for sex. That's the
3: issue that I have because even, I will say, I I told you all, my mother, the, the sex thing, it was like, she would speak about it but it just wasn't in great detail. Right. But she did let us know how special your virginity is she did mm-hmm. let us know like you don't have to give yourself to anybody mm-hmm. if you don't want to and that what that stayed with me because i was never eager to lose my virginity right like i never felt pressured if i i was like no nigga get out of here like i don't care what you say about me i don't want to do it right but and i know a lot of us have had those pressures mm-hmm. um i never felt that and i appreciate my mom for teaching me that however that same that same special that whole special feeling your flower your this and that mm-hmm. is not taught to boys to yeah. it's not taught to boys that sexual experience about how it's supposed to be personal it's supposed to be something between two people that you love they're not taught that they're not it's not ingrained in them the You're way right. that it is well, to girls and that's a problem i've always said
0: i think we need to celebrate the first wet dream like we celebrate a period because that is at the point at which their their sperm or their gametes are uh, mobile enough yeah. to swim up, through the uterus into that fallopian mm-hmm. tube mm-hmm. and fertilized Great an egg. Life. Prior to that, mm-hmm. they can't actually make a child. So it's the same exact experience. Well, it's, you know, similar experience so, yeah. of a period. And we celebrate periods and we have these moon parties. And we then let women know the gravity Those are real? and responsibility. <laughs> I'm so
1: yeah, That passionate. was Lilith no, Fairmont. Yeah. That was Lilith Fairmont. Yeah, yeah, fair but, but imagine. if I am here. But yeah, I yeah. like, maybe that's a good like, oh, this is sexy. You wait. So right. like, okay. That's Lilith Fair, Fair, mom. mom. But, you're right, but you're right that we do still recognize yeah. it as an important step on the, the this journey of womanhood, right? This. I mean, I think about the Blackish Period episode. And again, like, she's got a Lilith Fair mom and a Lilith Fair Yes, Fair mom bad. No, no, not at all. I'm more like a at all. mom. But you know like, I yeah, had a half-filled
3: Fair daddy. He wanted yeah, to get a pet it's, goose. It's, and we were like, nigga, why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's a long story. But
1: again, it's like that we don't see anything. And I'm kind of like, you know, I don't want my child to think of her virginity as a delicate flower to be protected. I want her to think about, because I I discarded my virginity like an ill-fitting pair of shoes. I was like, just get it out of the way. I barely remember the person, you know what I mean? Because I I was curious about sex. I was ready to get started. And just the virginity (laughs) felt like a weight to me, and even and though I, I lost it at 15 and didn't start, I didn't become mm-hmm. sexually active until 18, mm-hmm. like, I didn't like the pressure that people are like, who's gonna be the first, who's good enough, yeah, that's who, so, like, yeah. who I like enough, like, that's that just felt like a weight we to that. me, but also is. there's still something to, like, What when I talk to young people, because I do a bit of college speaking, we talk mm-hmm. about sexual agency and consent and consent-based, the, that lack of consent-based education mm-hmm. and how important that is for, you know, kids of all gender expressions and adults to learn or relearn, that you should be thinking about sex as something that is an act between two consenting people who are eager, you know, affirmative consent, right? Desire, right? That I respect you. I am interested and invested in your pleasure. I want to Mm -hmm. share this experience with you, whether we're in a serious committed relationship or in a casual sex experience. You know, and that's what's so radical about what you all do. Like, I hope I don't get emotional, but like there, I was the sex-positive feminist since I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, before I had the language to even describe it. Like, I remember mm-hmm. when my friends were like, I don't think I'm ever going to suck dick, like, ever. You know? <laughs> oh, or like, girl. I'm going to just suck. <laughs> I don't know how they become Valley Girls because we're from the South Side. <laughs> but that's how I they said I was like, it. was probably like, I ain't sucking nobody dick. Like, mm-hmm. never. That that's dead. how they said that it. You know, right. Or maybe, you know, I might suck like my husband's dick. And I just remember just feeling like, and I wasn't out there yet, but I just remember saying... I think it's going to happen sooner than that, you guys. Right. You know, like it just seemed like this doesn't really. Sound. It just sounds like it's a part of sex to me, and we're all really curious and interested in receiving oral sex. So, just stands to reason that at some point, we're good. This is going to be a trade off at the very or it least. It should be, you know, or it should be right. And that's something I always say: like, don't go down on somebody yeah. who won't go down on you. I don't care if you're, you know, eighteen, Thank twenty-eight, you. thirty-eight. Thank they you. wouldn't right. do it to you unless you are like, I don't desire it like that, or I don't right. want that tonight. Mm-hmm. Then you're not sleeping with somebody who respects your sexual pressure. But we're not telling you know for boys it's just kind of taken for granted that they're going to because they're likely to ejaculate they right. will enjoy yep. the yep. experience they don't have to think about where the so girl is not
3: a broken cherry or what have you yeah. right oh, God, cherry. the high yeah,
2: the high, yeah. The high, but I mean like, even a mythical with, thing like right, unicorns high, <laughs> right even with so what man. you were saying though like you losing your virginity at 15 I lost mine at 16 um, it was it's also a thing to where when you lose it at those ages older adults your peers, other men, the reference to you being fast, you being a hoe, Mm -hmm. you being... I will sit here and go back to me being 28 now. The things that I know now and how I feel now and how I respond now to sex, to partners, to all of that is completely a 180 from what I was doing at fucking 16 to say 21, honestly. Like, holy shit. So the fact that we put these mature adult responsibilities even on these young still children i was fucking as a child i don't give a fuck what you like i was fucking as a child and knowing now with the podcast and with the research and with friends like you and having conversations like this with you too i know now i can look back i was fucking pedophiles I was fuck mm. or I was fucking the other word you said. Yeah. It's Yeah, look
0: at your name. I had to look it up she again. Was it. E fibophilia. <laughs> that I was dealing with men who, were like, okay. yeah. who like, were like underage okay. girls. Yeah, like, not prepubescent.
2: Yes, bitch. You know. <laughs> and so, like, to febophilia. sit here and have the platform that I do, that's why I thought this conversation was so important because we do sit here and say, "Well, if you've been fucking since you was ten or eleven or twelve, you get it." And it's like everything that I did probably before twenty
3: four, honestly. Sleep. Before 25, when oh, the yeah. prefrontal cortex develops. Yes. What
0: I find very interesting about that, nerdy nerdy point, you guys are saying 24, 25, your brain is not fully formed, That's what we those, now know, right. until about 25, yeah. 26, oh, what, yeah. that mm-hmm. prefrontal pre, um, frontal cortex yeah. is not fully formed, so, you know, um, I always tell when I'm doing lectures or college tours or classroom work, I'm like, listen... Y'all out here just bumping uglies. Okay. That's Because the sex you yeah. having right now is, is, ain't is nowhere shit. near right. how <laughs> it's going to be popping <laughs> over right. later no when right. you have a not job, a, yeah. when you've discovered who you are as a person, yeah. when you finish college. And I'm not telling you, uh, shame on you for doing it. Mm-hmm. You got to right. hit your head against the wall a couple times yeah. in, in high school. But trust me, Y'all ain't need to be doing it that much. Y'all yeah. don't need to collect so many notches on your belt. You don't need so many numbers. Although I lost my number in 1998. I sure I,
2: I, have. I don't know if where my number, number
1: walked either. up to me and shot me on the If I had to like, give you the right
2: what? number,
3: Listen, to save
1: my life,
2: bitch. I did. The girl dead. told
3: y'all on the internet the dead. number is four. No, she said, the number is full. She said, go up or down. If you fuck two niggas named Ryan, you fuck one nigga named Ryan. So here's... So, <laughs> okay. The number is full.
2: So you know what? Because people don't believe that one hand... I like to say nine. <laughs> nine because you're still on two years. I, I don't even know. Like you if do the math. 11, that's like, I know. you're telling it's so you one person a year. It's so like,
0: stupid. If you really do the math. If you do the math, I'm yeah. a grown woman. Right. I am past 35, looking a whole hell of a lot closer right. to 40 than 30, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and if I lost my virginity, okay, at 15. Right. Bitch, we looking at almost 20 years the of fucking. fucking yeah. <laughs> so we clearly know. Right. Okay, my number's twenty. Right, we'll <laughs> go with that. There you go. Sure. There you go. Right. Wait, are we only talking men?
2: Right. Man. Hello. Yeah, hello. There's that. Then too. the number is so, like I double. Don't know. Oh. I gotta add one. How about that? Twenty-five. There you go. So I want to circle this back. I want to, I guess, now I want to discuss more of the general aspects that relate to this. We talked about accountability. We did talk about us as children. But I wanted to get into a lot of men were questioning why these women, why these victims chose to go on Lifetime and share their story in that case instead of taking this man to court, instead mm-hmm. of letting the court system find him guilty. And as you guys see, I believe this was well, this was in part three and four, we saw that the court system has already failed us once. with well, just, this predator, um, one of the twice, tweets. Twice, Florida and twice, Chicago. Twice, Florida mm-hmm. and Chicago. One of the tweets that I saw today that resonated with all of y'all and even the parents on this last part that was saying well he wasn't found guilty Mm -hmm. I saw a tweet today that said George Zimmerman wasn't found guilty would you let your black ass son hang hang around George Zimmerman no so for these parents and for all of these people to sit here and try to use the court system to justify his innocence yeah it's it's fucking disgusting.
1: And a lot of these same people that would use the court system to justify R. Kelly's innocence would look at Bill Cosby being behind jail as a tra- you know behind bars as a travesty because the they're court trying system to bring is down out a to get black, black man. men. Well, right. I mean, so which one is? it? But right. then those right. are also the same parents who will not allow their students to
0: sign up for a fifth grade sex ed class Absolutely. because exactly. you know what? My child don't need to know that. I'm gonna mm-hmm. teach them when they're ready. I got into an argument on Thursday with a dude at a bar about this. He was like. I don't like how you support Amber Rose. She's not. She's this, that, and the other. I was like, bro, she's talking about women equal sexuality. Right. I don't need to teach my son that. Oh, Lord. Oh. Here so we you go? go. 13 well, years you old, then? never had a conversation with him about sex. 13-year-old boy. That's a problem. That's that a is a huge problem. problem. they're fucking early. Like, they're, it's a huge People problem. don't understand that um, porn versus in, in onset of porn is nine here in the U.S. Yeah, On average... When you think about cell phones. So you're mad at the parents he wasn't found guilty. Like, why does they have to be found guilty?
2: I hate that so many of those parents. Not to mention out of sexual
0: assault, like when it comes to sexual assault. Only about nine of every one thousand cases see a district attorney's oh, desk. Wow. One that doesn't even yeah. mean somebody gonna be found guilty. You've had nine thousand reports and only nine get to see a district attorney, a prosecutor's desk. Oh, but them other That doesn't even mean there's a trial. Hello right. that's what right. I'm saying. Right. So
3: how many actually get <clears throat> found guilty? Probably less than one. Listen, there there are, there are men there are people who are found guilty within the households by other people in the household and nobody and no- says nothing no and says people anything. still sweep it under the rug or <clears> they still <throat> excuse it or they still say oh well you know we don't want to we, we don't want to send them to jail or we don't want to keep doing this Black that or are the already third Black on the down
1: down Can, Again, can I tell you the, the, one of the saddest stories I've ever heard I was at a, a, a camp like a, a week long camp for uh, it was like activists survivors of sexual or, I'm sorry survivors of violence many of them were relatives of people who'd been killed by police it was like a healing space at Kimberly Crenshaw was the architect intersectionality had put together mm-hmm. and I was teaching a writing class. It's a young Muslim sister who tells a story about when she lived in Philadelphia, she wears a, a head covering, so they're mm-hmm. identifiably Muslim family. And post nine eleven how things change, even though they were obviously African-American Muslims, but they've got the last name, say Muhammad. You right. know, they're, they're wearing their religious garb. I, I think the men in her family may also wear it. You know, so now they're being profiled. They're being called terrorists. They're dealing with these other things. At the same time, her older brother is sexually uh, molesting her. And she, at at a very young age, I want to say 10, 11, 12, is grappling with, is aware that she's (laughs) grappling with, wanting to go to her family and ask for help. But also this fear that the police would kill her brother, that she carried this weight for years. And that so many of us, you know, be it a a date rape, be it somebody Mm -hmm. that we've known for a long time, be it, you know, even someone on the street, Just this idea that involving the system beyond you might not believe me, you know, you might not take me seriously because I'm a black woman, that I feel responsible for my assailant. Mm -hmm. You know, when I I was uh, sexually assaulted, (laughs) I was raped when I was 21, right before I moved to New York. I was literally in the, I was supposed to move to New York two days after it happened. I ended up staying, I was living uh, right outside of DC. I just finished college. I ended up staying out there an extra week to kind of get my head together and stuff. And I told, I lied to the police and said that he was white for two reasons. One, I was like, I have to get the. I was afraid that they would keep me there. One, I was like, why do I even think they're gonna like actually investigate this? Like, but I was afraid. I was like, what if I have to stay? I don't want to do a trial. I have to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So I lied about the race. But the other thing was, I was like, I don't believe y'all are gonna take this what? seriously. He was actually what? He was black. Okay. But and it was a stranger. But I also And it was a robbery. But like, I also feared that like, if they do go out there looking. They're just going to stop. One, I can't identify him. You know, like like he had on a mat. It was like a traditional from TV, the type of thing that's wow, supposed that's to be a cut and dry. Like, this is exactly as bad as it looked. I should get all the sympathy. There's no gray area. And still was not treated that way by Never police was. you know, yeah. officers and detectives. And still was treated as if it was insignificant. And didn't get a phone call from the rape crisis folks till <laughs> like three months later. Like, we wanted to check on you. I was like, you know, do you want to come in for counseling? I'm like, I moved. I can't wow. I'm not in Maryland anymore. Like right. I couldn't come if I wanted to. But I also thought about like, so they're gonna stop some arbitrary black dudes? Like I'm gonna have to go participate in this process of them stopping arbitrary black guys. I just wanna get out of here. And if I had to do it all over wow. again, I would have given an accurate description. But I was really just like, I just wanna get out of here. It's I cra- just wanna move. I wanna it's move trauma. on. It's crazy that it's you strong. bring that
2: up. I, I shared that I was molested on a train up here um, it was rush hour and I was trying to put my purse behind me because you know you bump into people the train you can't move um, the doors opened at an Express stop and his dick was fully out of his pants he had been rubbing his dick on me for the five or six minutes mm-hmm. that we were on the train and I froze and started crying and what you're saying what made me even more mad was that I looked to him and he was a black man and Mm-hmm. Uh, of all the things to think, I wished he was everything but a black yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to have the hate of a black man because that's all I deal with. That's all I have sex with, That's my dad is black, a lot of the, the, the men in my family are black. And I had just been physically assaulted, I froze, couldn't even do all the things I said I would do if I ever was sexually assaulted. I froze and then just started crying and went home. And literally that was the thought that came to my head, was fuck. This was a black man. And I was pissed. It was a stranger. But the fact that it was a black man. And I want to bring another story to this. Um, My uncle actually just got deported. Um, Mm -hmm. This was recent. Um, In my family, we came to find out that he was molesting my cousin since she was a child. Mm -hmm. And the only reason she came forward. His daughter. The only reason she came forward was because she got pregnant with a girl. And... The fear of him doing that to her daughter was the only reason why she told our whole family. And it was mixed feelings because my dad, it was my dad's brother, he was upset that now his brother had to be deported. But then, so he was upset at that, but then also made sure that my uncle had never touched me or my sisters, which he didn't. But to know that this was happening our entire childhood, nobody knew. And the only reason she thought to come out was as an adult, she was having a girl and didn't want it to happen to her daughter. And so, again, with it happening in the family, with me not wanting to see black men act this way, like I do want more for us. And it is it is a lot of the times black men hurting us as black women. Yeah. And so it's it's going to be a conversation for us to make a change and however we can with your education, with your um, nonprofits and your foundations and then with you as a mother with you bringing the education that you are to your daughter to hopefully spew that into generations to come but again we're gonna need the black men on this just as much and not for you like i see on twitter and instagram for you guys to keep pointing the fingers back to us you're gonna or have to, white men or, or, or the white man get involved yes
3: right come yes. to a class Talk start up Singapore. a parent
0: brunch with your homies where yes. you start having these like have a dudes night get some cognac and have some hard conversations with the homies because yeah. a lot of us women do because that's the thing we you do. have to unpack first yeah. and through that unpacking and through conversation and dialogue we will come to solution together and yes black mm-hmm. men are hurting black women and white men are hurting white yes. women and Muslim men are hurting and it's men are hurting, hurting women, women.
1: Yeah. yes of course. And, and when we when we talk about black men specifically it's because, one, they, yes, we have to acknowledge that, like, men, are, when people are hurt by people that look like them. Yeah. You, you know, you're getting robbed by a white guy if you're a white guy. You're getting, you know, harmed by a white yeah. man if you're a white woman. But when we talk about black men, it's because, one, not only are the ones doing it to us, but that kind conver- you know, when white people talk about sexual assault, they don't talk about white men have to stop hurting white women. They talk about men hurting women. They do Right? Mm-hmm. One, because they see themselves as the default to mm-hmm. humanity, you know, and their mm-hmm. issues are everyone's issues. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, and, and also their experiences with people of color and sexual assault and how that answers, you know, yep. to them are the same. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. But also for us it's like we when we say we need to talk about black men, it's because we know that conversation has to be different because we're taking into account Emmett Till. Yep. We're taking into account Trayvon Martin being profiled yep. and hunted down and murdered yep. for the possibility that he could be there to do harm to a white right. woman or yep. girl. Right. Like we, we have we have we understand all of this, you know, and not everybody who wants to do that work understands it. When we talk about people going a little bit too far, or being a little bit too soft like there, There's mm-hmm. just so much new Nuance mm-hmm. and, and so much history that you have to take into account. And mm-hmm. so I'm not angry at the discomfort that black men feel at the beginning of the Bill Cosby or R. Kelly right. sagas. Of course. What I'm upset <laughs> with is now that you've had years to realize that those are not the average black man. They're not even the average black male predator right. because mm-hmm. not only has the, the, the power and the money and the influence that they have has allowed them to create the these access. ecosystems yeah. of yeah. abuse, right? ecosystems, rather, but also the the volume, yeah. right? The volume of um, accusers, the volume yeah. of victims is so profound that if you're still, if that's the, like, we can have a, a different conversation about Nate Parker, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're having the conversation and, and the lack of affirmative consent-based right. sexual education, yes. mm-hmm. you know, and that's not to absolve him of any guilt, but right, that it's right. a different conversation than, somebody who, 60, than somebody, ex- accusers, somebody who has 60, than somebody, accuser, somebody who has you know, count with our Kelly is the number is just countless, right? And, and we know how many have come forward. And it's just, I'd like to do that work without being re traumatized or berated and abused by, by yeah. our men. And it hurts. And I'm willing, but I'm also like, I can take it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I'd rather, like, when I was talking about the documentary online, I, I, Speak to the victims online, um, but I don't tag them in things. But I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like I'd rather don't go at Geronda pace. Come of for course. me, right? You want to call me a black man hating bitch? You want to say have an agenda? You want to say trying to like, like let me hold that? You know, don't don't voice that upon these people who are uh, taken advantage of by right. this man from such a young age.
2: And if you're listening to this and you're wondering why we keep, you know, maybe singling out black men or black women or black girls, I want to say that it has been probably a consensus, a full narrative, that if these victims were white, that R. Kelly would have been tried differently. And a lot of times... Um, again, and I don't want to say that maybe white victims have more of a voice, but in society, in yeah. the court system, yeah. I remember really one society. of the jurors I'll sat that there and said, "I didn't believe voice. the women <laughs> yeah. because of how they dressed, how they talked, and what they looked like." That, guy was, that was disgusting. That was, but he was, was on. Trash. He was one of the jurors. He was. Yeah. Sure. It was he disgusting. Was yeah. But he spoke for. A, a large, uh, a large population a, a body of, of the dude. people. The yes. jurors. And so I do want to sit here and say that that's why we are singling out black women um, and black men. Because I think, as we know, we do a, as oppressors. It's sickening that we oppress our own um, in in homophobia, in women, in, in gender roles and all mm-hmm. of that. And I just want better for our community. I think, Southern we, I
0: think that we're talking about black men. Yeah. Because we are we're black, black women, yeah. Yeah. Like, we yeah. go to yeah. bed for y'all. I can't for talk a about it. And I be mean, fucking y'all. I don't do have yeah. yeah. to talk you about right. don't we, don't we don't understand that. We don't understand. I never had sex with
3: a white people. man. I, I never don't, had sex with a white man. I don't date right. white men. I don't. I don't know about white men. So I can't talk about white men. My trauma is not at the hands of white men. I don't want any of the black men listening,
2: no, this isn't a call. But you were
1: a male child. We're going to have black men. Black men, and so I
2: want you guys to know that that's why this narrative has taken place the way it. Has um, but I, we are about to wrap up. I want all of you guys um, to follow everyone. We're going to go ahead and and let you all know what we have coming up, where you can find us, um, and if you would like maybe a part two of this conversation, let me know and let 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 us know what other topics you would like um, going into 2019. I'm about to have a nice little vision boarding party, but I would absolutely love maybe somehow to set up a panel or a group conversation to have women come and talk to us and men. I'm sorry, I would love I would yeah. love men to come so and nice, we need men. But- in the room yeah. but I would love yeah. to maybe set something up um, between the four of us maybe any other people that you know are, are looking to talk Cis, to this.
3: hetero men y'all need to come yeah. to you go. and we open need you. your goddamn mm. mouths and emotions There you and go. It is,
1: I will help facilitate it I will that help get amazing. you all event like we can help them get like yes yeah. I would love to do something with you all you know in, in a mixed gender group or an all-women group Absolutely. again yes it like creating spaces for men to talk to men about what's going on and to listen to women yep. in an environment where they're going to actually listen to us yes we mm. can facilitate we I would love that. Like, and New York have, is yeah. the place to do it. If Absolutely. Yeah. And, so, and and it's not a call out. And no? It's a call in. Call in. Mm-hmm. And we're we're
0: calling you in. We love you. I do want to give a shout out. There is a really great program called Black Boy Rise. Mm-hmm. Look okay. it up. Um, it's for black men and black boys, and they explore sexuality and toxic masculinity. Oh, wow. yes. And that is the specialization. Um, Lou is amazing. He does restorative justice work. We've worked together in a space of sexuality. That's awesome. I would love to bring him here. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's Black Boy Rise. But again, we've said a lot of things. But like Mandy said, I want to say we need cisgendered black men yeah. so yes. badly. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just going to say, please... Find me out. Oh, and most importantly, I do want to give one critique about the R. Kelly thing. I was really disappointed. I'm gonna say it, at the very end, they had a great opportunity to kind of shift the discussion off R. Kelly to intimate partner violence, because that's really what it was about. Uh, human trafficking, intimate yeah. partner violence, we've talked about that today, and they did not share a hotline number, so, so we wanted, we to, wanted sure. to share a hotline and number. And also, I'm going to make yeah. sure in the
2: edits if we can, put yeah. the number yeah. at the bottom of the screen for the entire um, episode. And also,
1: uh, Girls for Gender Equity, we worked with Lifetime and Values Partnerships, which is an organization that was doing social engagement for the documentary, and we created a toolkit, a viewer's guide. Oh, so there are discussion questions that you great. can use with your friends, with young people, there there's, you know, information for national sexual assault um Telephone hotline, as well as organizations that work specifically with uh, ch- uh, victims of child sexual assault. Great. ways to get involved with the fight to mute our Kelly. Organizations that are doing this work with Black women and girls. Period. So the resources are there. Yeah, and yeah, let me know that. And, I and love I'm excited
2: again for 2019. Horrible decisions is looking um, to do a lot. As you guys know, last year we um, partnered with Survive to Thrive, mm-hmm. which is an organization based out um, here in New York, where they actually help um, domestic domestic violence victims get back on their feet. so they help with dental care, they help with um, resumes, they help with um, help finding you jobs and basically just in- getting you back into society as a whole um, and not as a battered victim. Also for our Houston stop for the Horrible Decisions tour, we are partnering with Flow code, um, which is actually a nonprofit organization that helps um, under underdeserved communities um, with helping them get menstrual products Um, so women who like myself may not you know have been very very keen on letting their parents know that they were on their period Um, and even just having the products as an adult bitch tampons are expensive Um, (laughs) and so we're partnering with them for our houston stop if you are coming to our show in houston that will be on april the 20th we will have flow code in the building so please bring tampons pads um, anything that you Feel to donate and they will also be accepting cash donations if you guys want to know more of the horrible decisions tour stops i will put it in the description here i don't want to plug much more do you have anything else um going on or anything in the works for 2019
3: um you you guys can continue to ch- check out getting grown Jaden xd um we have some projects coming up i have a cooking show that'll be coming out um but i i just wanted to finalize y'all can go look at my social media yeah it's fine I want people to get therapy.
2: Yes. I think oh, that's so key. I like that. Yes.
3: This generational this generational issue with sexual conversation and trauma and so forth, like it goes back so far. And I really want us to start. These hotlines are wonderful. And we need to talk to people, but you need to talk to a therapist. And <laughs> we need to we need to we need to start addressing these issues mm-hmm. so that we can break this cycle somewhere. So we're not passing this on to our nieces and our children, and our and our play nieces and whoever. Like we need to have these hard conversations, and we need to start with having them about ourselves. I like that. So
2: I like that. So we'll work again. 2019. Um, the conversation will continue to go. Um, this is just the start of it you did a great job introducing it because this is definitely all something that needs to be discussed with, I think all of our platforms, we definitely are trying to make change. We're starting conversations. You guys are going out and doing the fucking grunt of the work um, with actually being face to face with not only victims, but teaching people. And I appreciate all of you for having, for sitting here with me and having this conversation. I will go ahead and we'll tie all of our social media accounts. If you guys want to reach out to any of us with DMs. Um, And again, maybe if you have a venue in New York, Again, this is something we definitely want to bring a a large volume of people to where we can have this conversation, to where they can go. And again, we're just we're here to plant the seed. Um, So I want to thank you guys all for joining us. We hope that we stemmed some good conversation and ones that you can take back to your friends. Is there anything else that you guys want to leave off with? Y'all are good? Y'all are here? All right. Well, it's been good. It's been great. I hope all of you guys have a wonderful 2019. And again, the conversation starts here. The seeds are planted, and it's up to us to help this thing grow. So, bye. Bye.